The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from a fallen Androzani harvester, it's Doctor Who Pachak. Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifreyan Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. Podshock! I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock. And I believe this is episode 264, if I'm not mistaken. And this is Louis Trapani, and joining me on this special occasion is Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Hello, and uh, apparently there might be two of me. I don't know about that. No, no, there's one of you, there's two of me. I, if you hear an echo of me, we're recording this in a big chamber somewhere. We're in a fallen Androzani um, work, uh, you know, harvester, so... <laughs> it, it's echoing through the forest. All right. Well, Dave, you, you are sounding a little lower than you were before, so I don't know if you maybe you you turn down your your gain a little bit. I did indeed. I was trying to uh, I was trying to uh, stop that echo for you. Hopefully, that's better. Well, it's the last show of the year, so you're getting twice as much of us. Well, at least twice as much of me. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Dave is echoing. So anyway, we're here to talk about. Uh, the latest Doctor Who televised story, which is a Christmas special, The Doctor, The Widow, and The Wardrobe, which uh, was broadcast and transmitted on Christmas Day on BBC, BBC America, and I believe this on space in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. If, if not, maybe it was the following day on space, but I think it was day and day on the Space Channel in Canada. I'm not sure about Australia and, and New Zealand. I know New Zealand had to wait a long time for last year for the, uh, the you know, Doctor Who or Christmas Carol. I think they got it sometime in um, April. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was closer to Easter than it was to Christmas. Obviously, if you haven't seen this story yet, this episode yet, there will be spoilers going forward. So, um, as always, I'll sound the spoiler alert. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 All right. Well, as Graham would say, you know, he always makes a reference to car spoilers at this point in in the show. Uh, So anyway, so if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to stop here and, and, you know, 
listen later after you res- after you have seen this um, special, you know, Doctor Who Christmas special. And speaking of you know Christmas and the holidays, I hope everyone's having a good holiday. Um, it's I, I, it's as we record this, it's just a couple of days before the new year, so it's, it's hard to believe that 2011 has already come to pass, and you know, and we're already heading into a new year. So. It's just, well, you know, I say this every year, but it just seems like every year it comes quicker and quicker. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you get older and older. Uh, you know, what I forgot to do is that we usually, when we do review shows, we run we, right after the opening theme, we go right into a clip. And um, and I guess I'm a little rusty or whatever, because I, I forgot to do that. So let's let's run a clip and we'll come back and begin our review. apparently it's too interesting it's astronomy don't make up words it's always making up things and breathing where's your father in the garden what's he doing in the garden agriculture you're not fooling anyone listen Cyril tell him that I've borrowed Mr. Goldsmith's car that I found a spaceman in a field possibly an angel but he's injured and I can't get his helmet off so I'm having to take him into town to find a police telephone box alright alright good boy your mother? Where's she going? Out. Oh. Did we just bump into something? No, no. We seem to bump into quite a lot of things. Well, a lot of things get in the way. It's hardly my fault. You need to take that silly thing off. God, impact suit. Still repairing me. Repairing you? Yeah, well, you know, that's the idea. <laughs> Won't it repair you all back to front? No, no. Well, that's good. Oh, there's a street lamp. Yes, I got that impression. Round this way. Don't you want me to take you to hospital or something? Well, you're welcome to come to our house. No, 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 I'm fine. I just need to find the, uh, the key. Well, do you want me to do it with a pin? I'm good with a pin. Multidimensional, triple encoded temporal interface. Not really susceptible to pointy things. Oh, huh? Got it. Okay, suddenly the last 900 years of time travel seemed that bit less secure. Thank you for taking care of me. You didn't have to, you know, you've been very kind. Don't be silly, it's Christmas Eve. No one should be alone at Christmas. What did you say your name was? Madge. Madge Arwell. If there's ever anything that I can do for you, let me know. How? I don't know. Make a wish, that usually works. Does it? Well, it for me, you're here, aren't you? Oh, we don't wait around here. Just off you go home. I'll just go and uh, and wait inside here. Wrong one. Do you think we could try again? All right. Well, that's uh, the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. It's written by Stephen Moffat, directed by For um, Farron Blackburn. And it guest stars Claire Skinner, Maurice Cole, Holly Earl, and Alexander Strong. And it's, um, as I said, it's this year's Christmas special. Uh, I know Dave is um, was working out some 
audio problems there. Dave, you're still with us, right? Yeah, and that's Alexander Armstrong. Yes, that's uh, he plays the father, I believe. That's right, the, the pilot of the Lancaster. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that that scene takes place early on in this special, and it's um, <laughs> right from the beginning. Signs is kind of thrown out the window or the porthole in this case, because uh, <laughs> you have the doctor falling out of the sky. Uh, granted, he's in some sort of um, impact suit that's repairing him, but he doesn't regenerate. You know. So anyway, it's the it's like it's a Christmas special, so we sort of you know. We'll give them a little more leeway here, but I don't know. It, it seemed to be, as far as my you know take on it, and I know we usually kind of review the Christmas specials on a different scale than we do on with the normal Doctor Who episodes, but even that, it just seemed like this was more... This uh, to me, it felt more like a a Christmas special with Doctor Who than a Doctor Who Christmas special. If that makes any sense, it just it seemed more like a like a you know just like a regular Christmas special that you would see during the holidays that just happens to have Matt Smith as the Doctor in it, really. And it didn't really feel like a Doctor Who episode or a Doctor Who story at all for me. It um, so I'm gonna you know I, I'm. I mean, I'm, I have more to say about it, but just going forward, I'm going to probably rate this on, on two different scales, one um, on a Doctor Who scale and, and one as a holiday special scale. I'm not even going to – and it won't even be a uh, Doctor Who holiday special scale. It'll just be, you know, in general holiday spe- scale. Anyway, so we're, we're – um, we see right away that the doctors. I mean, again, it's all in fun and all that. I understand that it's the holidays and all that. But that said, let's we'll move forward here. The and and technically, it's done very well. The the effects are great. The um, the lighting, the composition, the direction, the acting, uh, everything is really top level. Uh, the music is great, though. With that said, I have to say that it's. It's oppressive. Not not that it's bad, but it doesn't let up in, in for more than just a few seconds in any scene. It's, I mean, it, as much as I love the music, it just became a distraction at some point because that you that you became so aware of it. So throughout the whole entire special, through almost sixty minutes of it, I think it's like fifty eight and change, whatever. Uh, there's like music throughout the whole thing. It might take it might take a break for about fifteen seconds here or there. I, I didn't really time it, but. Um, and again, it's not criticizing the music itself. It's just, you know, sometimes it's equally important with scenes that, um, you know, you have to judge which scenes don't have music and which ones do. And and again, I, I realize this is a special, so they're, they're doing something different and um, making it more musical, I guess. So, but speaking of music, there is a... I did pick up on the little nod there to Aliens, you know, where um, there's some musical cues there from... If you're familiar with the Aliens soundtrack, which is um, kind of um, um, timely, since there's there's a new movie coming out next year, which is a uh, unofficial. <laughs> well, it's, it really is a prequel to to the original Alien film, though it's um, it goes in a different direction. But let's not get sidetracked. So um, now, but but getting him back into the Doctor and how how this is sort of. Um, a, a magical fairy tale because now the doctor magically hears when people make wishes because um you know he he later comes back 
you know, in that scene that we just heard, he says, you know, how uh, I, I think it was in that scene we just played where there's a uh, where the doctor says, you know, you can make a wish or something like that. And that's how I'll know, you know, if you ever need me, you know, just make a wish. You know, of course, I'm paraphrasing. So, yeah, um, for me, it really felt like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory more than Doctor Who. I mean, and the Doctor was really wonker, and that was especially true when we first see the Doctor as the caretaker. And, um, and it's this scene right here. Will Father be here? Well, he will, won't he? He said he'd meet us at the house. He'll be here. Of course he will. You don't need to keep asking about it. Father! Step now. Don't worry, the back door is still broadly speaking operational. Right then. May I take your cases? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely. Would you mind carrying them for me? I need to show you around. Oh no way! Who are you? I'm the caretaker. But you're not Mr. Cardew. I agree. But I don't understand. Are you the new caretaker? Usually call the doctor or the caretaker or get off this planet. Though, strictly speaking, that probably isn't a name. Hello, Madge Arwell. Hello. Cyril Arwell. And Lily Arwell. Now, come on, come on. Ross to see. Whistle, stop, talk. Take notes. There will be questions. Smaller sitting room. Just chairs. A bit pointless without a television. So, I made some repairs. That's a cooker, probably. And these are taps. Hot, cold, lemonade. Lemonade? I know. Stairs. It seems to have broken down. We'll have to walk up. I sleep up there. Stay awake. Beware of panthers. Panthers? They're terrifying. You've never seen panthers. Cyril! Mum's bedroom. Grown up, your basic boring. Lily in Cyril's room. I'm going to be honest. Masterpiece, the ultimate bedroom. A science wine workbench, a jungle, a maze, a window disguised as a mirror, a mirror disguised as a window. Selection of torches for midnight feasts and secret reading. Zen garden, mysterious cupboard, zone of tranquility. Rubber ball, dream tank, exact model of the rest of the house, not quite to scale. Apologies. Dolls with comical expressions. The Magna Carta, a football. Coludo, the yellow fort. Where is it, beds? Well, I couldn't fit everything in there. Had to be sacrifices. Anyway, who needs beds when you've got... Hammers! I know. Well, how do you get on? Watch and learn, kid. God's sake! Matt Smith is excellent in this, and um, but he, he seemed to come off, for, at least for me, it seemed more like the, you know, Willy Wonka showing off the chocolate factory to the children who, you know, just got the winning tickets in their chocolate bars and, you know, and I was expecting the Loompa Loopers to come out. I mean, it's a wonderful scene. It's great. It's it's fun. I know. 
<laughs> but it just, I don't know. It, I, I couldn't imagine any other doctor doing that. You know, I, Matt Smith pulls it off, but uh, it's just, I don't know how long he was the caretaker, caretaker there. You know, how soon, how, I know he has a, a time machine. He can get there anytime he wants. So he obviously had to uh, been there for a little bit to kind of prepare everything and get everything ready and all that. So, and obviously he was catering to the children that were, you know, that were being brought there. So, I mean, I realize that. And um, and I realize that this special is aimed more so at children than adults, probably, you know, more so than the regular Doctor Who stories, which are more, I think, um, you know, geared for universal um, ages. And, you know, and during the holidays, we're all young and kids at, at heart. So, um. <laughs> So, but it, it just did come off more as a fairy tale, and there is a reference that I think um, um, the, the the young daughter I'm, I'm trying to remember her name, um, Lily. Lily makes a reference to um, you know, is this a fairyland? And the doctor says, no, fairylands are much different. You know, <laughs> uh, we have tree people here. <laughs> Why do they take human form? Well, I, I know they're supposed to be. Uh, um, spirits that are sort of inhabiting the trees, uh, you know, which we learn later on. I, 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 again, <laughs> science is thrown out the window here because I you don't see how they can function and all that as, as just trees, but I, I, I guess we've seen um, other tree life forms before in Doctor Who, and it's not as bad as an attacking scribble, I, I would suppose. Maybe just barely, you know, better than that. So, I, I do like the Reference that are that's made to Androzani, Androzani Major. It's probably the most doctor outside of the Doctor and the TARDIS, the most uh, the the only other um, grounding factor to Doctor Who that this story has. I don't know um, what else. Well, we have. Um, I mean, it's curious that the, the that these tree that 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 the trees place the emphasis on male and female, when generally trees really don't have any gender. But as I said. Uh, I, I don't think that these were, um, I don't know, it's kind of confusing because I guess they, these are other life forms that are inhabiting the trees, you know, but I don't know. Dave, you still with us? Yeah, I, I've, uh, I've been muted, so I try and make sure that the audio is okay for you to talk. So um, what I will do, Lewis, if, if it's okay with you, is to sort of do my whole spiel in one. Okay, cool. Well, did you want me to? Well, um, did you want me to finish up then, and or did you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got something else to that you okay. want to mention, I'll mute for a moment. Well, I, I didn't want to, you know, monopolize the time, so that's why I was trying to give you a window to jump in if you wanted to jump in. So, um, all right. So, what I'm going to do is um, let's. This is a, a short little scene here, but this kind of illustrates uh, a point that I was just making. Is this place real? Is it fairyland? Fairyland? Oh, grow up, Lily. Fairyland looks completely different. Now, these are Cyril's footprints, and these are the ones he was following. Notice anything? Oh, the other footprints are getting bigger. Yes. Whatever your brother's following, it's growing. Well, then we have to get after him. It's okay, you're fine. Don't worry. Is that tree alive? Of course it's alive. It's a tree. 
But is it dangerous? Well, every rose has its thorns. They're like Christmas tree decorations. Yeah, naturally occurring Christmas trees. Oh, how cool is that? I don't understand. It's a big universe. Everything happens somewhere. Call it a coincidence. Call it an idea echoing among the stars. Personally, I call it a brilliant idea for a Christmas trip, or it should have been. Do you know the difference between wind and trees talking to each other? What? No wind. I've been here many times, but I've never heard the trees so active. Something's wrong. Yeah, so that, that, by the way, that clip had that alien's um, musical cue in there. Just when uh, the doctor states that the footprints are getting bigger, you, you kind of hear it there. So, but this is um, goes to the point of the the tree that the doctor's been here before, and the trees were never so active. So, I don't know if the the trees have always been extra alive for the doctor, but now they're even more so. Or um, I don't know. I don't know the history. Obviously, we don't know the history be- behind these trees. I don't know if we ever will. I don't think we need to. <laughs> so, but it, but the, so be it. So anyway, so then uh, as the story moves along, we're, um, I'm, I'm not going to you know retell the story, but if, obviously if you've seen it, you know that Madge has to think her way home, and that's almost like right out of the Wizard of Oz right there, and again going back to the whole fairy tale, and um, you know, and and why does um, you know the Doctor think that all his friends think he's thinks he's dead? You know, I know I realize what happened in the last series, but is there a TARDIS newsletter that goes out to everyone that, you know, he's encountered? I mean, as, as far as we know, you know, um, his other friends, you know, companions and whatnot that, that still remember him. That's, that's, you know, be it Sarah Jane Smith. I know Elizabeth Slade is no longer with us, but we have to assume that, um, well, whatever other, other people won't know that he's dead, but of course he's talking about Rory and, and, and Amy, who of course we see later in at the end there and where we see the doctor, does the doctor shed a tear or is it just water from the water pistol that Amy shot him with? So that's um, something that's left to ponder, I guess, because there is a reference early on a foreshadowing where the doctor says, uh, crying when you're happy good for you that's so human and you know and i, and I guess that was a foreshadowing reference to the, the end scene that we see at the end here so overall um as i said I, i'm gonna kind of gauge this and, and rate this on, on two different levels here um on on a doctor who level on a doctor who story level i'm gonna give this two out of five Tardis groans, but as a Christmas special, not necessarily a Doctor Who Christmas special, but as a just a regular Christmas special, I'll give it three, three and a half Tardis groans out of five. I mean, it's a fun Christmassy special, but it didn't really feel like a Doctor Who story to me at all. I mean, it just felt like the Doctor was, you know, happened to be in it, and that was that was it. It didn't really feel like a Doctor Who episode, you know, outside of the beginning and end credits and so forth. Um, I have to say, I, I, that same day that you know, this came out. I also happened to see an old um, B movie, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. If you've never seen it, it's a real. It's as I said, it's a B movie. I think it came out in 1964. I'm not sure, and it's um, it's kind of corny and all that. But I have to say that it had more science in it than this Doctor Who story. Um, anyway, but so be it. Um, so 
again, two out of five as far as Doctor Who goes. As far as Christmas specials in general goes, three, three and a half. And um, with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it over to Dave. Well, um, you're not going to get a better review from me because I haven't really got very high comments to make on this. It started off quite promisingly with the uh, the Star Wars overhead uh, mm-hmm. spaceship coming into view with the you know, the front end of it, and then it came on and on and on and on, and and that was quite a nice shot. I mean, how often now do we get Doctor Who starting with a view of our planet? Um, but then it went slightly off. I, I, I can't always agree with you on terms of the CGI on this. I thought the CGI was mixed somewhat. Uh, well, well you, you probably, uh, Dave, you probably saw it in a better quality than than what I saw. You probably watched it in high def. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, it got one of my particular uh, little uh, soapboxes is the uh, you know noises in space. Oh, I should have said there shouldn't be noises in space. And when this thing started bristling with cannons, every time a cannon came out, uh, you had this sort of, you know, noise uh, effect with it. Well, you had the Doctor falling out of the spaceship. <laughs> Talk about science. Uh, you know, without the space, without a spacesuit, and he climbs into it while in space. I don't know how he managed that, and whatever. It's... Well, if you go back to Peter Davidson and the Enlightenment, yes. he can survive a short period in space. With the cricket ball. Uh, but um, I, I think I've read online somewhere that uh, it wasn't envisaged that he should be so far up. I mean, you could virtually see, you know, two-thirds of the world. So, I mean, he was... He, uh, that rate, he'd have been in, in space for about two hours before he hit the atmosphere. And he would have burned up in the atmosphere. <laughs> Even with the spacesuit, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it would be much better if you know the spaceship would have been crashing towards Earth's atmosphere, ready to break up, and it, it was always sort of on the edge of the atmosphere, where you know it's trying to get into the spacesuit before it heats up too much. Uh, but th- there's actually a slight wisp of oxygen um, would have worked better. But of course, the impact would have uh, crushed him. I mean, that we. Um, uh, on the collective, we've been reviewing the um, End of Times Part One and Two, and without being too spoilish about that, I mean the Doctor falls through a skylight uh, from about a hundred feet, and and that almost uh, kicks off a genera- regeneration. I mean this was really something. Uh, the other thing that I had with the uh, issue with this is, it, I must admit, it seemed very slow. Uh, it seemed to be 20 minutes before we actually got into mm-hmm. the main story. Now, this was such a light story. It was basically one side of A4. Now, whether this is Stephen Moffat reacting to the fact that people have said his storylines have been too convoluted and he's gone completely to the opposite extreme, because basically there's only about three or four premises in this. Uh, I agree with you. I don't like the idea of, um, uh, you know, now you don't phone him in the TARDIS. You don't leave him a message on psychic paper. You don't go to the greatest monument like Riverstone did and carve Hello Sweetie on mm-hmm. some uh, primordial rocks. But you, all you have to do now is uh, wish it. Yeah, that's it is so silly. Um, yeah, but again, this, this harkens back to you and I and perhaps one or two other people feeling as though the fairy tale element is, uh, has been 
too much encompassing in this yeah. series of Doctor Who. Uh, then, then there was some practice I didn't particularly like. Um, I mean, those people as old as me will remember that, uh, although I wasn't alive during the war, that when families were um, evacuated from London to go and live in uh, country houses, two children and a mother didn't get a whole hundred rooms stately home to themselves. They evacuated a whole school full of kids. But um, I realised it was some sort of relative's home that they'd gone to. I wasn't so keen really on the fact that uh, the doctor is referring himself to as the caretaker rather than the doctor, although we do know from the end of the last series that um, the doctor is in sort of partial hiding, so to speak. So maybe that accounts for that. The um, the, the other things, I mean, there were some nice scenes when we got into the, the fairy tale woodland and obviously that echoed the, uh, the Narnia part of it. Quite like the uh, the ornaments that sprouted, there were inconsistencies. Uh, the one that the boy touched and pulled off became an egg and cracked mm -hmm. open, and had the, the the wooden king come out. But why did he come out? What did he do? All he did was go to the tower and sit at the bottom. He wasn't defending the tower. He didn't stop any of them going up the stairs. Uh, to watch, by the way, was a, a building made of wood to look like a real building. Not quite sure about that. If it was trying to blend into a forest, why make it like a stone building? Yeah. If you're going to blend it into the forest, you'd make it like tree beard, wouldn't you? You'd make it really a uh, big tree. Um, but I think the, the actual tree creatures were done extremely well. Um, but it certainly had a little bit of, uh, you know, every time a bell rings, you know, uh, a little bit of that with it. <laughs> a tree gets uh, its leaves. <laughs> yeah, but the story was extremely light. Um, and of course it wasn't it. I mean, this was basically uh, the story of Mother Christmas. He was emphasising the fact that the mother was protective of her children. Um, we had the reference to the uh, Androzani uh, mining machine. Uh, and that brings me quite quickly to there seemed to be an awful lot of humans seemed to be a great uh, effort to make this a humorous story but yet they seem to underuse uh, the comic here in the UK called Bill Bailey who was the leader of the uh, the three people on the machine and uh, again that reminded me brought back unpleasant memories of me of the Cyber King uh, when the woman's using it to uh, stride across Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I wasn't too keen on that. And um, I think basically there wasn't really enough to engage me in the story. Uh, at 20, 25 minutes in, I was thinking, well, surely this is going to get a little bit more clear than it apparently was. It seemed too simplistic to me. Uh, there wasn't enough to draw me in. And although I watched it and uh, I would not have missed it, um, I... Uh, I, I didn't engage with it. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I watched it. Uh, I thought a waste of opportunity. My regard, by the way, for A Christmas Carol from last year went up a couple of notches because although uh, I liked that quite a lot, it, it did the same thing to me as Voyage of the Damned, where Voyage of the Damned, 45 minutes great, and then it seemed to go silly. Uh, the Christmas Carol from last year, mostly good, 
uh, and I liked the fish swimming in the atmosphere, but I didn't like them attaching a fish. Uh, I hope this is not spoilers for anybody who didn't see it last week. It's a year now, so... <laughs> uh, with, yeah, with, with the shark uh, pulling the sort of... Uh, the sleigh. The, 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 the sleigh, I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, again, because... And basically, I'm not the target audience for this. I don't... And I've said it before, I would rather... Well, I was going to say, I'd rather that the budget be used to create two episodes. But I've got a feeling that they were rather short on money on this episode. Um, the, um, the top of the tower, when we saw the, the, uh, the geodesic dome, the white little... Mm-hmm. For a moment, I thought that was a Santaran It does. It, it, it reminded me of the Santaran ships, yes. Yeah. But when it took off, it seemed very wobbly. It was almost as though it was attached to a, a fishing rod and a piece of string, the way that took off the, the top of the platform. Slightly disappointing. Uh, I think most people will have guessed that it was so bright and that was going to be the thing that would guide the bomber pilot back because, of course, they made the emphasis not that the plane was about to crash, but the likelihood was that they would crash running out of fuel because they were lost. Yeah, but how does the time vortex appear, you know, on Earth? It, it seems. The point. Yeah. They weren't flying from one planet to the other. You clearly saw them flying down the time vortex, and it appeared to be that the the bomber was joining in that. Yeah. Which seemed somewhat strange. And of course, then when it, uh, we do know that although Lancaster probably has a crew of about seven or eight. We know that perhaps some of them bailed out, but there were at least three on board. There seemed to be the radio operator who talked to the pilot, and there was a, another gunner down below. But there was no sign of those at the end. Um, well, the, the time vortex seems to be like a, a violent, cor- you know, corridor, and it just seems like the, this aircraft would be destroyed in it. I don't think it would withstand the being, you know, <laughs> flown through the time vortex. It's just my guess. I don't know. So, uh, so, so basically, to sum up, really, to me, it was as as a story. Didn't hold my attention. Um, predictable, I suppose I would say. Although I, I think the the idea was somewhat great. I do seem to remember reading on the internet a long time ago that uh, you know Stephen Moffat had locked himself in a room in a, one of the hottest days of the year playing Christmas records trying to get himself into the most Christmassy mood he could and, um, and I think there's a lot of people that will also think when we heard the mother say to the two children this is going to be the best Christmas ever uh, you know it sends a little bit of shiver down your thing because it's almost as though they're trying to tell the audience that this is going to be a great story and I'm afraid for me it wasn't it was um it was a diversion. I watched it. Um, I'm not really in a great hurry to watch it again. Although, uh, having said that, I do. I do also always have this habit of finding that I found criticism with, mainly because they haven't gone in the way I thought they were going to go. When I've actually sort of put that to one side and then watch it. You know, uh, having said, well, it is what it is, it, what it is, and then just going with the story. Mm-hmm. I do find I do enjoy a lot of these stories more on those viewings. Uh, but with this one, I just don't think 
And you know, you know, when you think you watch something like the Christmas Carol or Voyage of the Damned or something like that, even though Voyage of the Damned is not my favourite, you do see more in them when you watch them a second and third time. I'm sure. not sure there's much extra to glean from this particular one. Um, I mean, the acid rain, why the acid rain? Why did they, you know, if they have this tower, why haven't they built a tower? And they all, uh, I mean, all those uh, life forms from the uh, trees came to that gold band that was around the water, and that's how they were transported. But surely once they were inside the tower, they were safe from the acid rain anyway. Yeah. They waited to stop raining and go back again. <laughs> that's uh, true. So, um, really, I don't think the uh, the story stands up to much, um, you know. Look, uh, however, I will say, probably it did serve its purpose. I would, and this is um, not, I hope it's not a criticism, but I would imagine that, you know, anybody under 12 would probably really adore this story. Uh, and maybe a young student only in the last year or two discovered, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis and The Lion, The Witch and the Wardrobe, I've seen those films, would probably be, uh, have a quite nice giggle because they'd be able to reference it and say, oh, I know, I know where this is coming from. And it might give them a nice warm feeling that, uh, you know, that they have that reference to come back on. So I think... Some of the characters, um, the Claire Skinner character did well, although I didn't like uh, being in control of that uh, cyber king. Um, Matt Smith, an adequate performance. I thought he was almost too frenetic at the beginning when he was going around, where Eugene described him as, you know, uh, in the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It was almost too frenetic. I was having trouble following it, if I have to admit. And, and I do think that some of the effects were less than convincing. Um, so all in all, um, I think it was slightly uh, below par. I certainly would give it two out of five Tardis Groans as a Doctor Two story. Maybe for fulfilling a Christmas uh, evening, you're probably right. It probably deserves an extra uh, Tardis Groan for that. It's certainly got a groan from me. <laughs> well, I, I think Dave and I are pretty much on, on the same um, level with this. I, I mean, I realize, uh, just to go back into um, into our chat room here, by the way, I, I failed to um, mention, I, I'm assuming that everyone that's listening live right now knows you can call into the show. Uh, the call number is, and I should, should have that here. I hate... Um, Talks you kind of resets the page. Seven two four 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 seven four four four. Yeah, and the call ID is two three three five eight. So if you're listening, please call in. And uh, Patrick supporting subscribers will be bumped up in the queue. We got uh, we got one person right now in the queue. We're, we're, we're going to get to people in the queue and get your live feedback. But there's a chat room going on as well. So if you go to talkshow.com while we record the show live, you can also join in the, in the chat. So um, Cock Blanche has um, written. You know about uh, in the chat room in reference to Doctor Who being realistic, being science realistic, um, that it's fantasy. Yeah, it, you know Doctor Who's never been science fiction. You know with capital letters, but uh, it's you need to have some believability in there. Like I said, I, I think um, 
even um, Santa, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians had a little bit more science than than this special. I mean, it just recently there's a trend in Doctor Who. I mean, with Russell T Davies and then now again with Stephen Moffat. Russell T Davies it was more a lot of um, magic and um, and and I think now with Stephen Moffat it's a lot of fantasy and fairy tale stuff and if you if you just have to think it and wish it you know just like wishing for the doctor now the doctor arrives and he he sort of hears wishes telepathically i guess it doesn't you know that never was the case with you know <laughs> the third doctor or 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 the fourth doctor i mean it's just you need to have it needs to be grounded as i always say and i hate to sound like a broken record but because doctor who is such a great open platform where you can go anytime any place i mean the tars itself is is magical in that sense that it 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 can deliver you to you know you can have any storyline really because you can bring but can bring you to any time and any place it needs to have some balance there you know with with some limitations you know it's the same complaint i have with the sonic screwdriver these days is that it just does too much and it's too magical it's a magic wand it's no longer a sonic screwdriver if you go back to past doctors you know they only used it occasionally and and it had limitations and um you know i rather i rather see the doctor's intellect and um being used to get out of such you know situations and um even if um you know even if the science isn't sound at least pretend you know even if it's, it's if it's mumbo jumbo science it's still you know relying on science than just fantasy and i realize that sometimes um future technology can be so futuristic that it may seem like magic to the, to those that aren't familiar with it and so be it but i don't know it just seems like it's it's just gone too much in that direction uh carte blanche also made a reference to about as far as um the trees the trees um would have been destroyed with acid rain so if they did hide out in the in that sphere they, they would have no place to go back to i guess so um that's a fair enough point so yeah yeah it's a good point it certainly is all right well we're going to get everyone's feedback so uh again please call in if you're if you're listening live on the show once again the phone number is uh 724-444-7444 that's that's three fours there and um the call id is um three uh, i'm sorry two three three five eight you can call in if you're listening to this in um later on when it goes out in the podcast feeds you can always call the pachak public call box and give your take on it as there as well we'll, we'll play it in a future episode that's you can find out how to uh leave feedback at pachak.net and um, But before we go to our calls, I just want to take a quick break to remind everyone about Audible. Audible is the leading provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including science fiction, but they also have thrillers, business, romance, well, everything really. So you can um, check out what they have. The Audible titles have um, will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you... Listeners of Dr. Upachak, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a free 14-day trial so you can have a chance to check out their service. And to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachak for your free audiobook. And if you decide, well, you know, it's not something that you're interested in continuing, you know, you can always cancel out and keep your free audiobook. But they have... 
lots of Doctor Who titles. Um, if you go to again, if you go to audibletrial.com/podchalk, uh, you can uh, view. You can do a search for Doctor Who. There's um, there's like oh my, I don't know. There's like, they, they keep on adding more titles. I know um, about maybe six or eight months ago there was up to like 187 titles but they're probably up to like 200 Doctor Who titles now uh, lots of audio books to, to um, um, audio um, it doesn't necessarily be, have to be audio books sometimes they're audio dramas as well so again that's um, audibletrial.com slash pachak to get your free audio book and with that we're going to go to the you know what we're going to play one last clip and then we'll go to the um, to the live feedback we have uh, Dr. Stu in waiting there for us so Madge are you alright talk to me Madge can you hear me yes I can hear you I'm perfectly fine thank you fine you've got a whole world inside your head I know it's funny, isn't it? One can't imagine being a forest, then suddenly one can. How remarkable. You're okay. She's okay. She is strong. Ooh, that wasn't me. Well, this is all really rather clever, isn't it? She's strong. She's strong. Ooh, ooh. Stupid me. Stupid. Oh, Doctor. Do you get it, Cyril? No. Lily, you do, don't you? No. Of course you do. Think about it. Weak and strong. It's a translation. Translated from the base code of nature itself. You and I, Cyril, we're weak, but she's female. More than female, she's mum. How else does life ever travel the mothership? Do what I do. Hold tight and pretend it's a plan. This is amazing. Where are we? Technically, we're not anywhere. We've flown into the time vortex. You've got what you wanted. Those idiots down there can burn your old home and you'll be safe out here. But these people helped you and they're in my protection. Now help them. How do we get home? Think. Sorry? What? She must only think. Madge, did you hear that? You said it, but did you hear it? You've got to think. Think? What? Think of home. Just picture it. Feel it. You have to really feel it. Can you do that? Your mind is controlling this vessel. You can fly us all back for Christmas. My head is full of trees, caretaker. Can't you fly us home? I don't have a home to think of. And between you and me, I'm older than I look, and I can't feel the way you do, not anymore. And you really need to feel it, Madge. Everything about home that you miss until you can't bear it, until you almost burst. Till it hurts. Is that what you mean, caretaker? Till it hurts? Yes. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. <laughs> well, instead of a tornado whisking them off to another land, it's a it's a time vortex. Well, let's uh get to the queue and people have been waiting there. I know uh the Stuart has been there, Dr. Stu I should say. So let's uh let's hear from Stu. Hey Stu. Hello? Hi, welcome to Doctor Who Podcast. Hello, and 
Well, thank you, Lewis. And uh, Dave, Lewis, uh, I hope you all had a great holiday season. Thank you. You as well. And uh, in the spirit and in the spirit of Festivus, I'd like to start with the airing of grievance. <laughs> uh, this, you know, is Doctor Who. It was, as you have alluded to, rather light and fluffy. Uh, not anything we're going to look back years from now and say, oh my goodness, this was great. Um, kind of ups the ante on some of the previous Christmas specials, I feel it. Um, but uh, I, I had like a, kind of a problem with the whole like opening sequence. I mean, I know it's science fiction, blah, 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 but... The doctor really shouldn't be able to survive in open space for that long. No. Well, well falling to Earth and uh, without even regenerating. You know, in Locopolis, he just fell from a radio tower and regenerated, and now he's falling out of the out of spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, I mean, I had to watch this the second time because my first looking on this, I thought there was somebody in that spacesuit that he just kind of threw to their death. Uh, I realize now that's not the case. Yeah, I, I had to uh, watch it a second time for that, too. In the spacesuit, is that some sort of zero techn- zero realm technology? How is it healing him? <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> it's a magic suit. <laughs> it's all magic today. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I love the, the bit that the, uh, the sonic screwdriver wouldn't work on the, the wooden golems, for lack of a better word. You know, it's kind of like the, uh, the original Green Lantern. It just wouldn't work on wood. Well, it's sort of become uh, an established... It's sort of been, you know, become established now that the the sonic screwdriver, at least today's sonic screwdriver, doesn't work on wooden things. So we've seen that before. When yeah, we've seen it before with like wooden latches or whatever. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, I don't shouldn't be talking over. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah, okay. I mean, I've got a lot to get out. Kind of rushing it. I'm sorry. Um, and also, these these the wooden king and queen uh, were they stolen from the set of the Hobbit? What's going on with that? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I guess they had to take. It does, you know that, and and going back to the Wizard of Oz with the with the talking trees and all that. So again, fairy tales. It's all. The, the other thing that I thought was kind of amusing was that whole scene with the, with the three soldiers when they first you know uh, tried to arrest Madge. And, I mean, maybe it's me, but it kind of made me think of the three headed monster and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. They just kind of uh, like, you know, argue yeah. with themselves while they get away. That's true. It, but, uh, it, obviously, you know, it was comic oh, relief. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And, and the other thing that kind of threw me at the time was he's saying, you know, you know, Andrazani, he's been there before and has such a great time. And I'm thinking, well, when the fifth doctor was there, he did have such a great time. But then I, I, I just coincidentally a couple of days ago have taken the case of Andrazani out from the public library. And by the way, let me sidebar for a minute. Anyone who's trying to, you know, who only knows the current series. And wants to uh, learn a little more about the classic series, uh, go to your public library. Seek out this stuff. It's free. It's mm-hmm. there. And it's a good way to just kind of, you know, pick out a story at a time and, and get to know it. And Caves of Androzani is one of the but, uh, best uh, ones that you could choose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so it says that, that this was on Androzani. The caves are on Androzani Minor, and these farmers were Androzani Major. So there's a little throw in for the older fan. Yeah, that's. Um, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I thought you had. No, I was just going to say it's very much the, the case of Androzani is is a very much different tale than this one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You you want to talk high drama? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I just happened to have it laying around, so I checked it out. Um, 
the other thing, you know, of course, this is nothing, you know, nobody else didn't notice, but the TARDIS blue door on Amy and Rory's apartment, you know, not very subtle, but mm-hmm. you know, appreciate it. Yeah, you know, someone uh, someone thing, referenced you know, that thought, last time. The, the um, what was it? The second to the last episode of the series. I think someone, one of our, I don't know, I don't know if it was you or someone had called into our live show, made a reference to that. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think it was me last time, but um, yeah, I mean, I've always thought that Karen Gillan is just you know a stunningly beautiful woman, but there was something about that scene. She was absolutely radiant. The look on her face, the lighting, I don't know what it was, but she was almost glowing. Yeah, it annoys my friend Ian, the sixth doctor, because I said, you know, her face looks better now she's lost a bit of weight and got a bit more definition in her face. And he says, she hasn't got any weight to lose. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then puppy fat around her face. She's got a little bit more definition on her face. And it, it, you're quite right. Well, not quite. I agree with you. She did look uh, extremely lovely uh, in that shot. Well, I have to say that the lighting in this is done very well. The, all the scenes are well lit. Um, you know, they, they, the craftsmanship in the, in the lighting department, you know, and, you know, as far as the scenes and composition, the direction, the art direction and everything was, um, you know, top notch. I know um, Dave had some problems with the CGI and I didn't watch it in, in, I, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in a high def format. So maybe when I do see it in high def, I'll have some problems. But it was you know passable for me but um but the the rest of the technical i mean my only problems was with the the music was just constant you know where it didn't let up at all and and yeah, the music it was a little overwhelming yeah yeah it was good it was good music it just we needed a break from it you know here and there we had a couple scenes that it let up for maybe about 15 seconds or so i mean i didn't time it but it just and then it came right back and it seemed like through the very beginning to the very end there was music throughout the whole entire thing yeah. Oh, and the other thing about that opening sequence, it reminded me, I don't remember which one, but some James Bond movie where he jumps out of a plane and uh, yes. lands on a guy who's skiing down the mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it just felt a lot like that. Yeah, I remember that. I can't think of it either, yeah, but it, I haven't it, seen it in years. Yeah, it might be Diamonds of Forever, I don't know. Um, it's a Roger Moore yeah, one. It's funny, definitely uh, Roger Moore. Brother, yeah, uh, what, I was saying it's definitely a Roger Moore one. It's, a, it's definitely a Roger Moore Bond one. Uh, Oh, okay, yes, I'd be older, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, my brother had mentioned this to Unless I'm wrong, I don't know. I am thinking it was Roger. Unless I'm wrong, I'm, I'm thinking it was Roger Moore. Yeah, no, I, I think it might be, it might, it might be uh, Connery, but, you know, no okay. matter. Um, but, yeah, my brother had mentioned this to me that the name, that he thought that the father might be George Orwell. But I looked in the credits, and the last name was Orwell, A-R-W-E-L. Yeah. So he was Reg Orwell. But quickly, it sounded like George Orwell. Mm. So I thought maybe they were throwing that in there. But I was wrong. But, uh, you know, overall, it was, like I said, it's kind of like fluffy. It's, you know, it's cute. You know, you said for anyone under 12, they'll, they'll love it. But uh, clearly not, you know, any dramatic or serious Doctor Who. I'd have to, I'd have to give it, a, like, a two-and-a-half to three groans. All right. Well, very good. I, I think that's so far that's been the consensus so far here. I know there are others that really enjoyed it, and, and um, you know, so uh, there's always the other side of that as well. All right. Well, thank you, Stu. If you guys just go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. If you just go like one more minute, I just you know while I was leading up to the uh, you know, the special, I was kind of ducking in and out of the uh, the BBC marathon, and I watched uh, Let's Kill Hitler again. 
And I just love that little scene, that little backstory where Mel's is trying to, you know, make Amy realize that Rory's in love with her. And she's like, but he's gay. <laughs> I just think there was such a cute little scene. All of a sudden she gets it. She runs, like, chasing after him. Yeah, when they're, um, yeah, I, I remember that. But, uh, yeah, that, that's, you know, pretty much, what, you know, what I got today. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for letting me uh, stop in. And, uh, well, thank you. Have a happy new uh, year. I keep listening. Thanks. Yes, you too. And uh, I guess I'll see you at Girlfriend. Let's hope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. All right. Cheers. We have a, a fundraiser going on to, uh, to to fund our trip to Gallifrey. It's, it, we don't, there's not an article yet on the site, but if you go to pachak.net on the um, right-hand column there, there's a donate button there to help fund the trip there because um, – Unfortunately, it's, it's not in the budget right now, but we hope to get there and hope to do the live show and do what we usually do every year at Gallifrey. But unfortunately, it, it costs money, and it's it's we don't have psychic paper to show the airlines and to get on the and to show the hotels to get there. So, um, you know, the the convention itself isn't expensive. I mean, the the tickets, I mean, aren't that expensive, but it's just every, going cross country and it's all the um, you know the 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 um the expenses that are attached to it that adds up so we're, we're um relying on um hoping to get more Pachak supporting subscribers again you can uh, become one by going to our website net and click on the top banner there and to learn how to become a supporting subscriber and we try to give you perks you know um bump you up in the queue here on the live shows and give you extra episodes when we can and um but more the most important thing is that you're funding the show so um, again, arttrap.com or pachak.net or gallifreyanembassy.org will all bring you to, uh, you can find information on becoming a Pachak supporting subscriber. And if you go to um, uh, pachak.net or gallifreyanembassy.org, you'll see a donate button there. On um, There's a special one for the trip to Gallifrey. Uh, either one, you could use either one, but the one uh, the one that has a, that's marked for Gallifrey will um, will then be set aside for just for that. Okay, well, let's. Um, we got one other person in the queue, uh, the seventh doctor. Let's um, hear from the seventh doctor. Hello, you are on Dr. Upachak. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Dave. Hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Oh, you had a nice Christmas. Yes, I did. I hope you all did as well. Yeah, it's, it was good. It's, it, again, I can't believe it came and went already, but. Yeah, I know. I, I I can't believe it was uh, Christmas already when when we had it last on Sunday, and the year just flew by. Yeah, I don't know where it went. <laughs> if you're listening to this sometime in the future, we're recording this live episode on the Wednesday between um, Christmas and New Year's. Well, I I liked the uh, the Christmas story this year. It was low key. I thought. Um, uh, if you saw the prequel that they had on the internet, mm-hmm. the one-minute prequel, yeah. I, I thought the first scene was going to be uh, very dramatic and very, uh, very good, but, but I felt let down. We didn't get an explanation of why these aliens were coming to Earth, why they were attacking uh, late 1930s Earth, who they were, or anything. We, we just... Yeah. There they were, and the ship blew up, and the doctor's falling down to the earth, 
trying to get this uh, this suit on. Uh, I, I wish we would have gotten more of an explanation of that. I wish it had tied in more to the story. I felt it was just kind of tacked on. Oh, let's throw this on. We got a little extra money. We can throw at maybe some CGI. Uh, the, the, I was kind of disappointed at that. The way I saw it was sort of like a Indiana Jones adventure, where each movie sort of starts off at the end of another adventure, and this—that's how I saw this. Was just like the story starts off at the end of the the Doctor's previous adventure that we didn't see. Well, we did kind of get an Indiana Jones uh, feel to the last story, didn't we? Uh, when we yeah. went into mm-hmm. the cave and yes. got. Uh, mm-hmm. The the blue guy, I can't remember. Yeah, his name. I know who you're talking about. Dory. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really like uh, the suit uh, repairing him. I wish we would have gotten a little more explanation of that. Uh, I, I I think they could have done without the the um, the healing part of the the suit. That he was just okay. That he didn't need to be healed that the, the impact suit just absorbed all the impact and that was it. Uh, I, I felt that the healing part was unrealistic. Yeah, well, I mean, generally the whole thing was unrealistic, but yeah, that's, you know, if, if you got, I guess if you have to draw the line somewhere, that's one, where, that's one place to draw the line. Yeah, I just felt it would have been better without the healing part of it. Um, is there an echo? Um, I was getting one with Dave before, I'm but I'm not hearing a little he- bit of an echo. I'm not hearing one now. You're hearing yourself echoed back? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'm not hearing it. I I, I do okay, apologize well, I'm for glad it. It's just me then. I I think maybe the the TARDIS might have uh, gotten the message to the Doctor about the wish being asked for. Um, it, if you remember back to um, the Doctor's wife. Uh, the TARDIS basically said, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, that uh, I, I take you where you need to be. And maybe the TARDIS picked up on it since it can sense, you know, all of time and space uh, and also sense where the doctor has to be and when, at what point uh, to pick up that message and tell him, hey, you need to go here or steer, you know, the TARDIS steers in that direction for him. Uh, I just maybe the TARDIS doing that is the explanation for him understanding that the wish was asked for. I suppose it just seems a bit, you know, that, that I guess the, the TARDIS now is monitoring, you know, every wish that's made. You know, I don't know. It's just, I, you well, know, it's an explanation. I, I don't know how believable it is or. Well, the doctor has a telepathic connection to the TARDIS. Yeah, no, I know and that. So the, but the TARDIS the, has a telepath. The TARDIS would know what he's thinking and what things that he's been through as far as, well... I guess. M- it's, it's, what, it, what was the character's name? Madge? Yeah. Um, you know, Madge was saying about... Uh, he told Madge about the wish, and so... The TARDIS now knows that, uh, hey, maybe I should be paying attention to this Madge person and picking up on when she's making the wish. Okay, well, uh, 
you know, it's, it's, an explanation. It's, it's, it's an explanation, but, um, you know, for, for that matter, it, it should be, it, it should be paying attention to Sarah Jane with all the, uh, alien threats that, that were coming, you know, that she was embattling. <laughs> you, know, you would think that, that, uh, the Tartars would uh, send a message to the doctor saying, listen, your friend Sarah Jane needs your help. <laughs> true. True. Um, I, I don't know why the, the portal, um, was like a couple feet off the ground and on uh, the other world. Yeah, I didn't quite understand that. Why did it have to be there? Maybe it was just, hey, let's have this cool effect where they enter above the ground. I, I guess it was, it was just for it that. Just I think it was an effect shot, and I think yes, it was just so that they could um, kind of illustrate that this was somewhere else. That it wasn't in the, you know, obviously it it would they were in the living room. They were obviously it's somewhere else now. So, but maybe that it, that was just yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I yeah I, I I think it was just an effect shot really, just to add the magic. Okay. Well, I was trying to think, you know, if if the idea was to uh, give a gift to the family, you'd want it to be a safe gift. You wouldn't want them to just, you know, go through this thing head forward and hurt themselves. So, I don't know. That didn't play well for me. Um, I, I like the the part on the on the uh, forest world. Um, it was kind of magical. And I like my Christmas stories to be magical, and this had that feel to it. Um, the military people, uh, I thought they were really goofy. I didn't understand why they would put their guns down just because this woman is in front of them and she's upset and crying, and that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I would at least held on to my gun. Maybe put it down to my side, but not put it on the ground. That was just totally unrealistic. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the, the whole thing was played for comedy. I mean, it's, it was there for comic relief, but we didn't really have anything that was too stressful to be relieved from. You know, there wasn't high drama going on, so it was just purely there for comic purposes. Yeah, it just didn't work for me. I mean, if they are supposed to be military... They shouldn't be comedic. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if they're military, military is not. Or, or, or they're there to harvest. You know, I'm not sure. You know, I, I guess they're more like industrial. You know, and I guess they they do have a security role to play. But I don't know if they're. I don't know if you could define them as military. Okay, I, maybe I I picked up on something that wasn't there. Oh, maybe it is. I don't uh, know. I only, I only watched it twice. I, I watched it the first time, and then I just watched it again right before our live show. It was the, I so I I could have missed it myself. And maybe I picked up on something on another uh, on another um, podcast forum, okay. which wasn't correct. Uh, I, I have been on the uh, the Gallifrey Base forum quite a bit over the past couple of days, and maybe something was said there that wasn't correct. Uh, well, I, it could very well be the case. I, like I said, I've only seen it twice so far, so I, I could be wrong as well. Um, you, you kind of divided up your, your rating into two, and I think I'm going to do the same um, as a Doctor Who story. This really isn't going to be something that, oh, I'm going to watch this again uh, in the future. It, it just doesn't have a lot of rewatchability. 
and I, I think I'd give it a two and a half for a Doctor Who story. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Christmas story, as, as I mentioned, I, I do like magical Christmas stories, and this, I think, had a lot of that, of that in it. It was a simple story, but simple stories are often the best stories, and I'd give it a, maybe a four out of five for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, very good. I think, um, I mean, I, I was pretty much um, the same way. I, I gave it two. Two out of five for a Doctor Who story, and and three or three and a half, you know, as far as Christmas specials go. In one sense, I mean, I, I like the Christmas specials to be longer, but I think oh, this story suffered somewhat by it wasn't adequate to fill an hour. I think if this had been a forty-two minute episode, uh, it would have um, it would have been really good. But as I say, it seemed to me to be going twenty minutes before we actually got into the main story. So um, either it needed a slightly more evolved plot, maybe even if it had been old-fashioned, old-school Doctor Who, where they got to the tower and they had to sort of find their way around that, you know, the the wooden king at the bottom and try and solve a couple of puzzles or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But I really do feel as though this was a 42-minute story stretched to an hour. Yeah, that's probably a good point, Dave. Yeah, I, I thought so too. That there was a lot of filling in there. I guess that that could be trimmed out. All right. Any other comments? Well, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't have much else to add. Although I will uh, say that my wife was just watching a show on TV this this evening, uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action, and. I had never seen it before. I guess it was a film from 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually had two Daleks yeah. in it. Yeah, I, I know the scene. <laughs> I, uh, th- there's a scene towards the end, I think. They're in a desert somewhere, and they come across this like um, portal or whatever. They, they they go into this, and there's like a lot of science fiction uh, nods there. They're, the Daleks are there, and yeah. I think a few other relics you know, from science fiction um, movies and whatnot from the past are, are represented there as well. But there, there are two Daleks. And this was before you know, Doctor Who came back to television, so I remember at the time being you know, quite excited to see the Daleks in something modern. <laughs> I wonder how much they had to pay for royalties to use the Daleks. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, but um, the Tower Nation estate probably got a, a little piece of that pie. Well, thank you for having me on tonight. Well, thank you. Once again, happy holidays and happy new year, and um, I, I hope to um, to have you back soon. Thank you, and to you as well. Okay, thanks. Cheers. 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 All right, well, I think that's going to wrap things up. All right, so once again, go to podchock.net. You can find out how to send us feedback. There's the Podchock public call box there. i just give you that number. That's 206-984-3543, and you can call that 24 hours a day, not just during the live shows, and you can leave your feedback there. It works as a voicemail system, so when you leave your feedback, then we have a chance to... Um, play it in a future episode. I, I know, speaking of feedback, we are a little backed up with some feedback. We're, we've been getting through some of it in our recent shows, but if you send us feedback and we haven't played it yet, hopefully we'll get to it soon. Uh, and again, I want to thank everyone for listening and thank Dave and all our callers. And um, it's during the holidays. It's still, it's still the holidays right now. So I want to wish everyone happy holidays and happy new year. And um, I don't know 
when we'll be back with the live shows again because I don't know when Doctor Who is returning because that's sort of a <laughs> a bit a bit of a mystery right now as far as um the new series goes. Yeah, probably in October, fall or autumn, whatever. Dave, any closing comments? Uh, no, just to say that uh, this probably will go live uh, after the event, but on this coming Sunday, the we'll be covering the topic again on the Colton Collective at our usual talk show ID of 54821 at 2pm Eastern Standard Time. And I hope people are looking at some of the Christmas specials, that, well, not the actual specials, but they call them Christmas specials that are going up on the iTunes feed uh, this last couple of weeks because uh, as Christmas and New Year fall on the Sunday we've uh, we've taken a two week break so Dave um, when is Colton coming back is it because I thought I saw the 7th of January isn't that a Saturday yeah I was kind of confused yeah, I just changed it I just noticed uh, before I got ready to just make that little thing if you were so to allow me to do and I noticed oh so and so's and uh, put the 7th and it is the 8th it's Sunday the 8th so uh, the next Cult of Collective Live will be on TalkShoe on January the 8th and you'll be cover- covering um, this special the um, the Doctor the yeah, Widow we'll and the be, Wardrobe we'll be giving yeah we'll be giving the, the, the Collective a chance to have a live show there Okay, great. So tune in at 2 p.m. on Sunday, the 8th of January, 2012, and um, for the Cultum Collective. Cheers. All right, well, thank you, Dave, so much. It's been a pleasure. And, um, you know, well, you know what? Um, as I said, we're, you know, we'll be back again with the live reviews when the new episodes of Doctor Who comes back. If that's in autumn, we may do some more, some more live shows in between. Maybe we'll, um, obviously there won't be review shows. Maybe we'll do something else, pick a topic or whatever. Um, I think it's good to do these live shows now and then. It's good to get live feedback and get live callers in. It's, 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 it's fun to do. And um, so... Um, I, obviously, I don't have a schedule for that yet, but that's something that maybe we'll put together. So, um, and and of course, there's always always the Cultum Collective, as Dave has every Sunday at 2 p.m. on Sunday. Hey, before we end the show, just a quick reminder here. I know a lot of people are recently moving their domain names off a certain register. So if you are one of those people, if you're looking for a, a domain register to register a domain name, don't forget to visit hover.com slash pawchuck and you'll get 10% off your domain name. Once again, that's hover.com slash pawchuck to get 10% off a domain name registration. Okay, so that, that's it, everyone. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Doctor Who Pawchuck, presented by the fan-run Gallifrenemacy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Pawchuck is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Pawchuck theme music by Jeff Smith at jeffsmith.com. This has been an Art Trap production and is presented to you by the Gallifrenemacy and has been made possible in support by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. 